<clears throat> Can you uh, start us off with a word of prayer? Yeah. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We are so grateful to have it. We thank you that it is all sufficient for all that we need. We thank you that your word is sovereign because you are sovereign. And Lord, we pray that in this podcast, all that is said and done would be about your word, about the truth that you have revealed to us through your son in your word. Help us to be truth tellers in all that is said and done for your honor and glory. Not only bless us in our doing, but bless everyone else in their hearing that we might walk with you by your word for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know which one it is. I think it's this one. It is that one. It's been that long. It's been that long. (laughs) But we're back. This is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. That's, yeah. I was about to call it the Truth Talks, Truth, the Truth Talks Project. Wow. It's been that it's long. It's been that long. I can't even get my words out. I'm your host, Buddy Boone, and uh, with me today is the pastor of Bellcroft Bible Church. His name is Pastor Matt White. How you doing today, sir? Doing doing good, putting on the Truth Talks training wheels. Yeah, because this is crazy. I'm like, man, uh, it's, this is the first one for the year of 2022, and uh I am excited to get into some more uh, topics and and conversations for you all to listen to and for you all to interact with as well. Um, (laughs) Did you tell, did did Amy listen to the podcast last? I don't think so. Okay, good. I don't don't want her to hear what I called her. All right. Yeah. I'll just make it sure. All right. That's the the podcast that should not be named in in the White House. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, you know. Don't want to be in trouble with her. Okay, so uh, this this podcast is really a couple of things. One, one that we I told you that the last time we were going to do a quick review of 2021. Yep. And there are some major things that happened uh, in 2021. And during our concert of prayer, I was reminded of one huge one. Yeah. Where the FDA uh, actually were, um, you know, they. They, uh, uh, they. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They approved. Okay, that's the word. I, I can't read your mind, man. <laughs> I, this is bad. We probably should have done this after coffee yeah. versus <laughs> well after coffee. Um, they approved the pill to the abortion pill to actually oh, be yeah. Yeah. distributed. Yeah, we're gonna be know. talking about that on Sunday. Yeah, and um and. You know, it was, it was, I was like, I forgot all about that. Yeah, it, it feels like it's so long ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a huge thing that happened. Uh, in and 20... it happened kind of under the radar. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, awful. Mm-hmm. Awful. And currently right now in the Supreme Court, there is a huge, well, there's, you know, the, uh, the abortion, you know, the Roe versus, you know, Roe yeah. versus Wade. Yeah. Roe versus Wade. Is it? Yeah. That's what it is. Yep. You know, that, um, right now in front of the Supreme court. So that was a huge thing that happened. And you know, the, the Roe versus Wade, am I saying it correctly? I think so. Yeah. Um, that started last year and now it's still carrying into this year. So that was, those are two huge things that happened, um, in 2021. And, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's one of those like weird, like, you knew that something was coming, but I never thought that they would the they the FDA would approve something like that where, mm-hmm. you know, willy nilly they can just mail it out to whomever. It's death by pill. Yeah, I'm I, that completely yeah. shocking to me. But yep. um, I have seen that a couple of big things. Obviously, um, tomorrow when everybody hears this this uh, podcast on the twenty first, yeah, or twentieth. Uh, it'll be one year since uh, President Joe Biden has been in office. There you go. And uh, in that year, you know, what has happened in that year? Uh, just curious of what you picked up on. Well, I I think I would start by saying what has happened is everything God has ordained. Of course. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Completely agree with that. <laughs> so, what what so, did God ordain? Yeah, so I think, I think if we're going to, you know, obviously— truth talk we gotta let the truth talk yeah so obviously you know i don't know of anybody that's happy to have uh you know joe biden as their president there's a few people out there there might there might be one or two 
you know, but I think if they're honest, I think they would probably say otherwise off off air. Yeah. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, yeah, it's awful. It's a pitiful, pitiful situation. Many things could be said about it. Um, but this I'll say, you know, God is sovereign. There is much judgment that's going on right now, no doubt. Mm-hmm. God, in in God's word, it is a it is a consistent pattern. When he judge, judges nations, he usually does it by giving them worthless leaders mm. that lead them into pitiful places by which they're judged. That is very common. He does it with his own people. Mm-hmm. And he does it, obviously, with other nations. And you can see this pattern play out. And um, so, you know, God is doing what he's doing. He's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to use uh, oftentimes wicked men to do it as he did use wicked men to crucify his own son to bring about obviously the greatest blessing in the world, the gospel. So that doesn't minimize though the wickedness, right? Um, secondary causes and how providence and sovereignty work through that reality. God is free from the uh, reality of their sin, yet he's sovereign over it. And so, yeah, Joe Biden's got a lot to answer for. That's for sure. I feel sorry for him, honestly. Mm. I really do. Mm. And um, yeah, he, he, on many levels, is, you know, from a human standpoint, is single-handedly destroying this, this country in so many ways and what he's doing. So, but God is a sovereign. Um, I've been thinking a lot about that, actually, about 2021 and not only his presidency and the pitiful nature of it. And I, I mean, I have a lot to say about it, but don't think it's worth talking about in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that I keep coming back to in light of the cluelessness and the confusion that he permeates, right? He just brings a, he just, you know, the poor guy is, is lost. You really, you can see it. He's a puppet president. You can tell that he's not making decisions because he can barely put sentences together. I really feel sorry for him. I really do. I, mm-hmm. I think there's something wrong with him. And, and uh, if somebody cared about him, they would help him, right? They would get him out of there. They do something there. You can tell it's 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 bad, um, but a couple things. Don't ever forget that uh, there is a uh, there is another power at work. Uh, it's the prince of the power of the air, the evil one, mm-hmm. Satan. He in, he controls small C under big C sovereign control. God's in control of everything, but God has God has allowed Satan to have a certain amount of control. Mm-hmm. Right, First uh, John five says that. Uh, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He is, the whole world is under his control, under his power, obviously the evil world system and uh, unbelievers. And so um, it's interesting when you study this out in scripture, one of the ways in which Satan will often meddle in this world and seek to bring about his schemes, his snares, his plans, again, is through governments. Mm. He does it, obviously, we know at times through individuals. We see that in Judas, right? We can see this in Scripture, and we understand that. Um, Yet at the same time, a very consistent pattern of Satan's work is through governmental leaders as he empowers, as he deceives, as he manipulates, as he leads and guides them to do whatever he desires to do in creating chaos and destruction and devastation and ultimately death because that's one of his, you know, ultimate designs and obviously sin's greatest design. We see that from Genesis to Revelation. I mean, again, I'll just give this little caveat as we're talking about governments. Romans 13, obviously I've preached that. We've talked a lot about that in the past, the importance of, of honoring government, and we should do that as God has declared. But you can't, you can't read Romans 13 without reading Revelation 13. They go hand in hand. I've preached that. I've shown that. You ha- they go together, and together they create a, a balanced, clear view of government as we see it. God obviously designed the structure of government, um, but the fall, sin, Satan manipulates, deceives, destroys, infects, right? Wicked men. And um, Revelation 13 shows government under Satan's control, doing what government always does eventually and reaches over its power and seeks to control. And so you have, you have the mark of the beast, you have people being killed and that's all satanic. I mean, that's all Satan's 
running the show as he is now, but he's no longer behind the scenes. Now he's doing it from underneath. He's the mm-hmm. undercurrent mm-hmm. that's happening, mm-hmm. right? And, and you know, I'm not a prophet or a son of a prophet, nor am I a, uh, an end times, you know, uh, a contemporary newspaper end times guru where I'm like getting my uh, eschatology through the newspaper headlines or the, right. you know, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, there is an interesting connection through all of these things when you see, you know, all the chaos. So Satan has fingerprints wherever he goes. Again, through scripture, you'll find this. Wherever he goes, he always works with deception and lies. He's the father of lies, mm-hmm. right? That always brings about murder and death and all of that because, again, he is the arch murderer, as the Bible says. And so you, you see lies, you see deception. He always brings confusion, right? Because mm-hmm. confusion and deception go mm-hmm. hand in hand. So you have confusion, you have deception through lies, you have um, chaos, right? That's the whole point. He wants to throw everything into chaos, right? And that chaos then brings fear, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's one of his greatest tools. And the fear of death is usually a big part of that. Well, I've just described (laughs) the entire globe, literally, without, you know, languages, cultures, continents, it's Every one of them could be defined and described right now. Mm. And in my lifetime, in my lifetime, obviously you see that in pockets all the time, but I've never in my lifetime seen it where you could literally, you go to Australia, you go to China, you go to Russia, you go to England, you go to Africa, you go to Canada, you go to Mexico, you go to America. I mean, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. It's, it's deception, it's lies, it's confusion, it's chaos, it's fear of death, it's it's just crazy. Mm. I, if you study scripture, you're going to see when you see the hands of the fingerprints of Satan, that's what he brings. Mm-hmm. He brings that. He meddles in that to bring that about, right? That's his goal. And, um, and so, obviously, there's no doubt about it. You know, I mean, Ephesians 6 is clear. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood, mm. right? And we understand the s- schemes of the devil. We know what he's doing, and he's working through the evil world system. That's where critical race theory and all that stuff comes from. It's it's out of the pit of hell, right? I mean, this is doctrines of demons and nonsense and, uh, you know, every false religion and, you know, all of this sexual perversion and all of this nonsense of dealing with uh, denying biblical sexuality for an emotional sexuality that I get to choose my own my, my own gender, which is, which is so ludicrous mm-hmm. and so n- nonsensical that, that I almost can't believe we even have a conversation about it, right? It's like the NCAA is now figuring out that, oh, a year of a man being on, on uh, uh, testosterone-suppressing drugs is not, is not long enough for him now to be a part of women's sports, right? And now they're saying, yeah, there's probably no length of time for a man that like, oh, I could have told you that because you're not a scientist because he's a man. He's always going to be a man. Yep. I don't care what you do to him, cut him, fill him with pills or mm-hmm. do what he's, he's a man. Cause that's how God made him. Yeah. And it'll always be that. Yeah. No matter what changes you make to him, his skeletal structure, his muscle structure, yeah. right? His biological structure will always be that. And so, just looking at it, where does that come from? That, that, that obviously the depravity of man and the depravity of man being being further ignited and infected in the sense of being used, manipulated, slaves. That's what second, you know, second Timothy talks about that reality of people being um, enslaved by Satan to do his bidding and falling into the snares. And we, we understand these things. And so when you look at these things, it's like we're wiser than the world. I was thinking about this in Psalm 119. I've been reading that a lot in my devotional time and rereading it over and over again. And, and just thinking about that section in Psalm 119, it talks about the word of God makes us wiser than our teachers. Mm. And, uh, and it really is true. I was having a conversation about this with somebody the other day. It's like, you look at all of these epidemiologists, all these doctors, all these politicians, that from the world standards are far smarter than just about all of us. Mm-hmm. If you look at degrees and you look at, you know, life history or, you know, experience. And yet if you look at common sense, 
and you look at just practical living intelligence, right? You look at them and you go, these people are clueless. Like they, they don't get it. And, and you, and you walk away and you go now, obviously what is a lot of it? Deception for self, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that. However, there's some of it that's not, I mean, they believe this stuff. Mm. Some of these people. And obviously a lot of the people that we interact with in our world believe it, even though, you know, they're not those things. So again, it's interesting. I was telling somebody, if you just follow the Bible, if you just literally turned off the news, as I recommend all the time, turn it off, open your Bible, let sound doctrine, the word of God lead you, you will, you will practically in common sense will be wiser than 95% of the people around you because the word of God will lead you always into paths of righteousness, will always lead you into truth. It will always lead you into where God wants you to go in practical decisions and mm-hmm. all of those things. And it's just like, just take COVID for instance. COVID is a chaotic mess because of one reason, one reason alone, the fear of death. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously we all fear death in a, on a practical, natural sense. Natural fear is given by God to protect us. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sinful fear of death by which it enslaves you. That's when fear becomes sinful. When whatever it is that fear is, it becomes enslaving. It, it controls you. It drives you. It becomes idolatrous. Mm-hmm. That's where we've been living for years. And that then clouds your mind and confuses people. And it's awful. But true believers that are following God's word, you know, Hebrews 2, the fear of death has been done with. Mm. Yeah, we, I mean, no, I don't, nobody wants to die. We put on our seatbelts because we have a natural fear of death. We're not talking about that. Mm. We're talking about a debilitating, enslaving, an, an, an anxiety-driven fear of death like we've seen with people with this COVID chaos. It's like true believers don't have that. Mm-hmm. We, we are people of peace. We are people of trusting the Lord, and therefore we can make good decisions. We can make decisions that God has honored and the world, our world, i.e. our lives, keep going forward with no crazy, nonsense, foolish decisions simply because we follow the word. It makes us wiser. Now, I want to <laughs> I want to uh, not challenge you, but kind of like interject something into what you just said. Mm-hmm. And here's why. Because the deception that you're talking about literally says that people that follow the Bible follow scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not talking about halfway where you were talking about the doctrine of demons. Cause yeah. you know, a lot of those people that they, they don't really believe what the Bible says. Yep. There is this underlying, like I would say theme that people that are actual Bible believing, you know, believing that the, the scripture is all sufficient and errant. They are actually, uh, dangerous. Oh yeah. And dangerous because, and that's the deception. So dangerous in the fact that, you know, whenever you talk about sin, that is not what the Bible says. You are being mean. You are being demeaning to, you know, humans, because, you know, when I read the Bible, I see that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am the head and not the tail. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I see in the Bible. What you're seeing is wrong. Yeah. And, um, hate speech. Hate speech, you know, the fact that somebody can't, you know, go and say, well, you know, I feel like I am, you know, not the gender that I was assigned at birth or, you know, we shouldn't assign a gender at birth because of the fact that, you know, um, you know, we should let the child, you know, dictate who they want to be. And if you don't believe that, then that's actually, you know, violence. Yeah. Towards me and towards, that's, you know, people. That's anti-conversion therapy bill that just got passed in Canada. I think it's passed in France. I think it was passed in Australia. It's coming to America. I mean. Oh, it's here because there's one. It's actually in Indiana. Yeah. There is a uh, there's a, a biblical counseling center in Indiana. Yep. And there is a in the city, mm-hmm. wherever that that place is, they are now trying to pass that you know, that bill in, in America. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I said it a year ago, it was coming and we, we've been watching it and, and, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, that's, that's ancient, you mm-hmm. know, in the sense of, uh, ancient in the sense of 
you know, believers being seen as strange, as scary, as radicals, as hate speech. You know, that's historically, that's, yeah, that's the way it's always been in different nuanced ways, but that's nothing new. We know these things are going to happen. The Bible's clear. It's going to wax on. Persecution is part of God's plan, as always has been. He told us in Philippians chapter 1 that we have not only been ordained to believe, but also to suffer for his sake. Mm. And we understand that. We know that most suffering in the Bible obviously is talking about religious persecution, not toenails you know, being stubbed and you know, or cancer or whatever. We understand those are trials, but most of the time when we see suffering being spoken of in the Bible, it's talking about being persecuted for your faith, right? Mm. Obviously, there's applications to, you know, trials and tribulations by way of sickness, uh, you know, brought on by all kinds of things. But if we're going to be contextual, ac- contextually accurate, that's really the bulk of what the Bible speaks of, because that's reality. And, uh, you know, while America has been spared from that on many levels throughout the years, we see that quickly evaporating. I mean, quickly. And uh, it's coming. I don't want it to come. I don't think any God-fearing person does, but the Bible says it's coming. Mm-hmm. Like the Bible said it's going to come mm-hmm. very clearly, and we know that, and we can see now through the reality of our world that it's coming. So that doesn't scare us. That doesn't change anything we do. It just further validates what the Bible says. It further validates what God has called us to be and do, which is to remain faithful to the end, keep preaching the truth and love, which demands that we confront sin, we call out sin, and we confront people with their sin by lovingly sharing with them the eternal forgiveness brought about by Jesus Christ in the gospel. And while that is considered by, sadly, many today, including governments, as hate speech and, and uh, even uh, racist rhetoric, uh, at the end of the day, that is the loving eternal truth of God. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we just follow our Lord in that. And um, they hated Christ, so they will hate us. They crucified Christ, so they'll kill us, right, mm-hmm. who follow him. And I, pr- I pray not, you know, in the sense of even our, our immediate context, but the Bible's clear that's coming. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and the amazing thing is that's part of God's design because as the gospel is attacked, it spreads even more. Mm-hmm. That's always been his plan. Mm-hmm. That's always been how it's worked, and it won't stop until he's done, until all the elect have come home by his grace, and then he'll, then he'll come back, and he will reap judgment upon all the evildoers of all time who have obviously persecuted his people. And he said that, and we see that obviously throughout scriptures, but especially in the book of Revelation where he makes that clear, where the tribulational saints who have all been martyred in very much the same way I'm just talking about. And there they are in, what is it, Revelation 6, and they're asking Christ, how long, how much longer before you before you avenge our souls? And he says, just a little while longer, just wait. Mm-hmm. He gives them the white robes and, you know, encourages them and just wait. My time is coming. And obviously that's Romans 12. That's why we don't take vengeance. Vengeance is the Lord. He will take it because all sin is ultimately against him, even when it's against us. Mm-hmm. And he's the perfect holy one. He has not given us the right to avenge ourselves. We simply pray for our persecutors that the Lord might save them because what's interesting about that is how many persecutors, you know, become like the Apostle Paul, who was the ultimate persecutor, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, so you never know where the guy who's persecuting somebody, they're watching this believer being persecuted, and the Lord is using that to convict him and draw him unto himself. I mean... That stories is as old as time, mm-hmm. you know, and so, uh, and so, what a blessing! That's our sovereign God. So, if God has ordained me to die to bring somebody else eternal life, praise God mm. that I have been privileged to bear that. Yeah. And as Paul said, for me to die is what to live is gain, as to die is Christ. And mm. so, as Paul says in Romans, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Yeah. And so, again, that biblical worldview, that doctrinal understanding of life and death under the holy creator who is sovereign over all, who is the giver of life and death, that gives you peace, courage, and conviction mm-hmm. no matter the chaos, no matter the craziness, so that you can preach Christ no matter what. And, you know, uh, there is a, a there are certain people that, 
have literally lost their conviction. And I'm seeing, it feels like maybe because I'm paying attention, but there is a huge uptick of people who are literally uh, walking away from the faith that are just, you know, um, one person that, you know, (laughs) I, my, one of my first like understandings of, you know, doctrine Mm. was from this, uh, this uh, Christian hip hop, group called the cross movement mm. and you know i would listen to it over and over again because growing up in my charismatic word of faith church that stuff sounded completely different so mm. i'm like i'm trying to figure this stuff out and i'm memorizing it because i'm hearing it all the time and i'm rapping it along with them when i'm listening to it uh but one of the founders of that actual uh group um they literally walked away and they, you know, you know, it, you have to make it dramatic. So he made a video about it and, you know, uh, you know, he's like, well, you know, all this stuff that, you know, I had all these questions and, you know, and I was in this accountability group and somebody said that I was depressed and excuse me, you know, all these things. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you know, um, what would make people walk away from, you know, everything like seminary trained, you Mm -hmm. know, seminary trained, you know, all these things. And I'm like, man, like, what would make you walk away from it? And as I kind of thought through it, you know, one of the biggest things that I can point to is whenever you have a small tear mm-hmm. in your theology, mm-hmm. that conviction is, you know, it's it's something, something that's there that not necessarily a doubt, Mm-hmm. But also it is just, you know, kind of like a small tear because most of the people that I've seen lately, like last year, they walked away because of this feeling of entitlement because of the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, it's like, well, I see the Black Lives Matter and that's why I'm walking away, you know, now because I all these people just disagree with me or somebody confronts them on something. And, and you know, that's what it is. So it's a little small tear yep. that kind of, you know, took them away. Yeah. So. um yeah, what you say is sadly true on so many levels, but um, it goes both ways. So, yeah, we're, we're obviously, I talked about this two years ago when so much of this happened, and, uh, you know, I was speaking to that reality that this would be a great purging out because of the difficulty. And whenever, whenever you have to take a stand in anything in life, that's when truth comes out, right? Mm-hmm. And so truth always, truth always surfaces in time and trials, mm-hmm. right? So it's under heat that the uh, physical makeup of a man or, for that matter, a bridge or a mm-hmm. piece of metal, mm-hmm. they heat it up, and that's when you tell whether, the, whether whatever it is, the man or the metal, is actually strong, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we're under heat, and so the heat is revealing the cracks, the fissures, the false mm-hmm. belief. Uh, again, the Bible, again, wiser than... And then our teachers and enemies and all these things. Again, the Bible's not silent about these things. Mark chapter 4 says what? This is how ministry, I love Mark chapter 4. I love the parable of the, of the sower, the parable of the soils, mm-hmm. better termed, because I really think that parable is the parable of all parables that sets the stage, honestly, for all parables on so many levels. But what it really sets the stage for is ministry. That's mm-hmm. what it was. He was preparing them for ministry. What ministering uh, for the kingdom of God would look like. And he's preparing his disciples in that. And he says, you're going to cast the seed of the gospel and it's going to fall on hard ground where the, obviously the birds fly in and the birds represent what Satan coming in and, and grabbing the seed right off the hard hearts. Right. And mm-hmm. then he says, you're going to plant it in, in thorny soil and, and uh, rocky soil and along the path. And, and he goes through and all of this is what, and he says, you're going to plant it among the thorns and it's going to crop up and it's going to look good. And then all of a sudden tribulation and persecution arises and they all abandon, Mm. they all go away. So, I mean, the Bible talks about this so often and we see it, we see it many times in scripture, fair weather faith, Mm. right? There is no such thing as fair weather faith, but that's what we see a lot. Mm -hmm. It's easy to be a Christian when life is good. True believers obviously persevere to the end. That's why that command and that classification is given throughout the scripture. What's interesting is if you go all the way to the book of Revelation and you take that same reality that honestly many are called but few are chosen, wide is the road that leads to destruction and many there be that 
are on it. Narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. It's hard, narrow and hard, filled with trials, filled with suffering, filled with problems. Few there be that on it. Then you take the seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, and here we are now at the, you know, in this pivotal period of even church history in the 90s, and Jesus Christ himself is writing, sending seven, ch- seven letters to seven specific churches. And guess what? Only two of the seven get positive letters. Five of them get you're negative right. letters mm. of rebuke. Mm-hmm. You better wake up. One of them is like, you're a false church. You're a mess. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to spit you. I w- want to spew you out of my mouth. You're neither hot nor cold. You're nothing. And it's like, whoa, man. And it's, and it's really interesting, right? You see the reality. It just it helps you get a perspective about true ministry and true belief that it really is very um, hard to find. What is it? Uh, I'm trying to think of the passage now. Uh, is it Luke 18? I can't remember now. It's slipping my mind. It'll come to me. But where he talks about uh, true faith and what true faith looks like. And and it's in a parable. And then it says, when the the Lord returns, he wonders if he'll find any true faith upon the earth. Because mm. it'll be so scarce. Right? And this We understand this. We see this. Mm. So when we see these things happening, it doesn't surprise us and it doesn't scare us because we know that by and large, many who claim to be believers are not. Matthew 7 makes that clear. Many will say, Lord, Lord. Um, so in some ways, the COVID, the Black Lives Matter, the CRT, the governmental overreach, all of these things are just God's plan of pur- purging and purifying his church, mm-hmm. pushing out the chaff pushing it out, getting rid of it. And then at the same time, this is the exciting thing, while you're looking at people exiting and churches being revealed to be nothing more than man-centered entertainment centers and you know just pitiful places, you're also watching people come into the church being mm-hmm. saved, mm-hmm. where the Lord is using all of these things, not simply to drive people away, purifies church, but also fill his church, build his church, mm-hmm. by which he's drawing in his elect, people that are getting saved because their the Lord is using these things to wake them up, mm-hmm. awaken them to the brevity of life and the reality of eternal death and the truth of the gospel. And we're watching that happen. And here's the, here's the caveat to wanting to do a, I don't know how short this is, but, but a recap of 2021, mm-hmm. which I think, I can't remember, but I think at the end of the year, I think people were saying we thought 2020 was a bad year and 2021 was like 10 times worse than mm-hmm. 2020, right? And I, and I laughed as I've thought about this in my own meditation and, and evaluation. And I'm not alone in this. Actually, I think, I'm, I think it's pretty common with churches, biblical churches, right? Churches that are preaching the word and, and are striving for sound doctrine and have a philosophy of ministry that is biblical. I think, I think they would all say the same thing. At least all the churches I know in that vein would say it. 2021 is the best year of ministry we've ever had. Mm. So everybody's like, we want it to end. We want it to be finished. We, will, we, want to, we never want to think of this again. And in, a, in an honest, not a selfish, prideful sense, in the sense of, obviously, I don't want people to die. I don't want people to be sick in the, in the nonsensical sense and, you know, uncompassionate you know, lack of empathy, sympathy, and all of those things. I, I, that's given. Yet at the same time, it's like, Lord, COVID's a blessing. Mm. This has been a blessing. It has been. More people have been saved mm-hmm. in our ministry than any other time. More people have been baptized. More people have, have uh, started fighting sin and l- living for Christ. We've seen more people get involved in ministry. We see more people showing boldness and courage. We see more people giving. Our giving has been through the roof. Mm-hmm. We, see, we see every facet of our ministry growing over these last two years, especially the last one. And it's like, Lord, I don't want it to end. Mm. I, I mean, I don't want bad things to happen, and I don't want people to be hurt. And yet you told us, rejoice in our suffering. Mm. Count it all joy, not because of the pain, but because of the purifying nature of the pain. Mm-hmm. Lord, you are sovereign, and if this is what it takes to wake your church up, by all means, Lord, keep doing it. So I get it. You know, I understand the practical, human, temporary side. Yeah, who wants that? But in the eternal scope of God's sovereign plan, hey, 
Keep it coming, Lord. You are in control. We're going to follow you. If it means revival and better days, praise the Lord. We're going to keep serving. And if it means hellish, dark days of more governmental overreach and foolish leaders doing nonsensical stupidity from their positions of power, you know what? That's just more doorways for the gospel. Lord, either way, we'll praise you. Either way, we'll. So 2021, in my, in my book, was no different than 2020. God, God reigns. His plan went forward. We keep preaching the word. Nothing changes. Amen. I think we should leave it at that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, so uh, I have a question for you. And this question comes off of your last sermon that you preached about prayer. Mm. Now, I know that you are from the great state of West Virginia. <laughs> and I've heard this term before. And usually when I hear this term, it has to do with the, uh, what I, I don't know what it is, in the independent fundamentalist, you know, Baptist, whomever that is. Uh-huh. You said the, the term, use the term old paths. Oh in, yeah, in your in your sermon, yeah. so which I quoted from scripture, by the way. All right, so so give it to me because maybe I missed that part because I because that struck me. I said, "Oh, paths. Wait a minute. That, that is what I hear. You know the 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 old you know the the the, the sixteen eleven KJV guys say. You know, <laughs> like that is what they say, and they they say we need to go back to the old paths and old time religion is what I always hear them say. So. Maybe I need to understand what you meant by the old paths. Yeah, so um, uh, I'm quoting uh, literally out of Jeremiah six sixteen. That's where that reality is. Okay. That 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 word is used, or that that idea, and it's God Himself speaking to Israel, um, because obviously He's speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, because they have rejected His word, mm-hmm. they have rejected His ways, they have gone the way of their perverted hearts and their perverted plans Mm -hmm. and thought that their ways were better than God's and God through the prophet Isaiah or prophet Jeremiah, he's calling his people back, which is what he did for decades, calling them to repent and return to the Lord. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in, in Jeremiah, in Jeremiah six sixteen, it says, thus says the Lord stand by the roads and look and ask for ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. So he's literally saying, look, go back to the ancient ways. Go back to the Torah. Go back to what Moses taught you. Go back to the Abrahamic covenant and all that was laid out there and, and, and go back to all the old paths that were laid out for you as when you became a nation and that the, the prophets have been teaching you and that the, the law of God has been laid out for you. You don't need anything new. You don't need uh, necromancers. You don't need sorcerers. You don't need other gods. Go back to the old paths that God has laid down. Mm-hmm. Follow his word. Follow his way. You can think of it in uh, Proverbs uh, chapter uh, 4, right? Talks about uh, look straight before you. Watch your feet. Stay on the path. Mm-hmm. Don't veer to the left. Don't veer to the right. Stay in the way of truth, right? Mm-hmm. This comes up many times in the Old Testament, this kind of analogy in the verbiage of staying on the road, right? Even in Pilgrim's Progress, you, you know, now I digress. But what happens when they get off the path, yeah. right? They go into Doubting Castle, it's a disaster, right? And so that's what Jeremiah is saying. He's, he's telling them, no, no, don't veer off. You have left the way of God, return to it. And that's what the call of repentance always is, right? Mm-hmm. All we like st- sheep have gone astray. Mm-hmm. We've each gone to our own path, our own way. But the Lord, right, is, is calls us back in repentance. Mm-hmm. And the sad part of that verse, so Jeremiah's calling to them, he's preaching to them, he's calling them back to the way of God, the good way. He's commanding them to walk in it. And if they do, they'll find rest for their souls. And then the end of verse 16 says, but they said, we will not walk in it. Mm. Wow. And therefore, judgment comes. Well, that's no I don't think any clear description could be made for the modern church, right? Mm-hmm. Modern church has left the old paths, right? I think uh, if, you, if I pull my J, one of my J.C. Rowe books off the shelf up there that has a, a, um, uh, a litany of sermons on it, the title of the book is Old Paths. Mm. 
Yeah, this is not an un, you know, this is not an uncommon theme. Now, that theme has been hijacked by charismatics and by, you know, fundamentalists, and you know, and so I get that. But I'm literally just quoting out of Jeremiah 16 and uh, the reality of of needing to return to the ways of God when it comes to our sanctification and ministry philosophy, you know, practical implementation. God designed, um, I think in the sermon at this point, I was talking about the means of grace mm-hmm. and what are the means of grace? What is a means of grace? What are they? How has God designed them? And the problem is people are, quote unquote, trying to serve the Lord, do ministry, quote unquote, uh, missions, uh, evangelize, and I'm using air quotes because they use those biblical terms, but they do unbiblical methods with them. Mm-hmm. They have left the paths that God has provided for how to do this, and they have rejected the means of grace, mm-hmm. the methods, the ways at which God has ordained, sovereignly given to his church, his people, for growing in Christ's likeness. But rather than following those ways, they have rejected them. And now they're following man's ways, mm-hmm. pop psychology, mm-hmm. emotionalism, listening to your heart, listening to the still small voice of God that never is of God, mm-hmm. you know, doing that nonsense. Mm-hmm. That's walking away from the old paths. Mm-hmm. The old paths, obviously, are the preaching of the word, prayer, the ministry of the local church, the ordinances, and, and down the line, those means by which God in his word makes very clear, this is how you grow. This is how you fight sin and put on Christ by walking in these ways. And if you walk in these ways, you'll not only be blessed in your doing, I will be honored and you will grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you actually uh, went ahead to Sorry. where I was going to go, but, which is perfect, you know, because in the notes, as I was taking notes, you talked about that first, the means of grace, and yes. then you talked about yes. the old paths. So. Yes. You 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 pushed us right into the direction where we need, we need to, to go. return to the means of grace, and I wanted to talk about go, that go because the, the yeah no you're good you're good the the, the, the word GPMs of, are starting to crank up here so I'm, <laughs> I'm, forgive me they're going notice they're, I'm sitting on my hands now to, that, that's fine that's fine <laughs> but the the biggest thing that I I, I loved about it is that the <clears throat> I, I love what you said was like the means of grace for us to grow in Christ likeness is to submit to them. The big one, obviously, and the first one, as you said, was the Word of God. Yeah. Now, obviously, how would we, how do we implement the Word of God as a means of grace? And this, this comes from. Let me give you like where I'm coming from. Uh, the day before that sermon in men's Bible study, <laughs> you had a, a litany of, of of verses that we yes. talked through. Uh, you know, talking about the, the Word of God and what it can be used for. Yeah. We didn't get through all of them, but uh, I do want to kind of use some of that, to, you know, I want you to use some of that to answer that question yeah. of how that is a means of grace and work. Yes. And keep in mind, uh, you know, we're already 43 minutes into the, the uh, podcast. Got it. So I just, you know, I just wanted to say that. Yep. Take as much time as you want to, but I just want to tell you where we were. You have, very, you have every right to cut me off because I will never stop. I know you won't. So this is because I, I I can see you you sitting up in your seat. You're oh, ready to go. Yeah, you, you like you know. Listen, you know it's like let's go. Listen, we can talk about 2021. All right, I'll give you a little bit of that. But when we start talking about truth, man, I come to life. That, that's good. That's, that's, <laughs> I hope my pastor comes to life when he starts to talk about the Word of God. Like you start pushing my buttons when you start letting me talk about the truth, man. I'm a different person. Let's, let, let's go. Let I, let it out the cage. I don't want to talk about. Joe Biden, that's a waste of time. I don't want to talk about the world. I want to talk about the word. Well, you, I don't know if you noticed, but when I asked you the question, you you were like, yeah, Joe Biden, okay. But then you went to literally what the Bible has said yeah. about what's going to happen. I think it's a waste of time. Yeah. I really do. So I think it's a waste of time. But anyway, so, yes, let's, let's start with just clarifying in case any of our listeners aren't familiar with the term means of grace. What is that? What What, what is that? term mean but that just is a is a classification it's a it's a historical classification uh so many people probably have heard of the uh the latin phrase media gratia right there's even some ministries that use that phrase as their ministry that's their ministry name Mm -hmm. that means literally means of grace Mm -hmm. that's what it means in latin so it's a historically reformed pretty strong term in 
in uh, uh, reformational circles, right? Mm -hmm. Because coming out of Roman Catholicism, one of the things that Roman Catholicism obviously did was they rejected the old paths of the means of grace mm -hmm. and invented their own in gotcha. the sacra sacraments and the like, and here mm -hmm. we go. And so, so the means of grace is nothing more than a term that basically classifies or defines or illustrates or describes the God-ordained ways, the God-ordained uh, uh, processes, if you will, or practices or ordained uh plans that God has put in his word, practices that he's put in his church, commands he's given to his people, that if they walk in it, if they embrace it, if they follow it, those are the ways in which his sanctifying grace comes in through their life, works in their life, and makes them holy. Hmm. And so, so here's a really good way to think about it. Most of our listeners will understand and em embrace that God is sovereign overall, mm -hmm. that he defines the end from the beginning, mm -hmm. Isaiah 46. He writes the end, he writes the beginning, but what most people fail to realize, we embrace that. Uh, he is the alpha and the omega. He knows the beginning and the end. Mm -hmm. Well, we forget he also knows the middle, but he not only knows it, he has decreed it. He has, here's, the, here's where this means of grace comes up, comes from. He has, he has designed and decreed your end, which is your glorification, mm -hmm. but he's also de designed and decreed the means for getting you to the end. Mm -hmm. And that's what people forget. So God doesn't just save us and tell us one day we'll be glorified and then just let us go figure it out and go, yeah, go, go grow in holiness. And it's like, no, God says, this is, this is the way this works. You're now redeemed. You're justified. One day you will be glorified. And now I'm going to sanctify you progressively. I'm going to make you holy like Christ. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use you in the process. It's a synergistic work as you follow my plan for your life. Mm -hmm. And of course, you see this most clearly in John 17, 17, when Jesus Christ uses the word, make them holy, sanctify them, hagias, sanctify them, Father, by the word, mm -hmm. your word is truth. Mm -hmm. So what he's saying is, make them holy through the means of grace that you have given, which is your word. Mm -hmm. It's your word that does its work to make our people holy. Mm -hmm. that's, your, that's your plan, Father. Now use it. And then, side note, you see Jesus praying, what? The purposes of God, mm -hmm. already ordained by God, mm -hmm. and hence why it's a powerful prayer. So So that's the means of grace, and there are many of them. Obviously, the primary one, the most explicit one, the most important one, the most powerful one is the Word of God, mm -hmm. John 17, 17, mm -hmm. very clearly. And every, everything else after that is tethered to that. It, like it builds on it or flows out of it. So you got the Word of God, but then you have prayer. That's one that we're looking at in our church right now as a means of grace, mm -hmm. a powerful means of grace, a means of grace that I would dare say is mostly neglected, mm -hmm. rarely seen as a means of grace, and yet it is. Again, John 17, 17, word of God, sanctification, and Jesus Christ is doing what? He's praying. He's praying that his people would, that God the Father would sanctify them through the word. There you see prayer and the word. If you trace this out through the book of Acts, guess what you see? Tethered together, the preaching of the word and the praying of the people. Mm -hmm. And what's the result of that? Purification. Mm. When you see Paul pray over and over again, he prays primarily for one thing, the purification of the believers, mm. that they would walk holy, that they would be more like Christ. That's the means of grace. Mm -hmm. And so you see this marvelous uh, reality. Uh, obviously, the ministry of the local church, massive part, because the context for the coalescing of the Word of God and prayers to God are brought together in what? The local church, mm -hmm. where the preaching of the Word and the public prayers are, uh, of the people are come together as well as the private prayers of the church when they're scattered. But then you also have the ordinances, right? The Lord's Supper and baptism, they're means of, gra of grace. Right. And so you have all these realities that the Bible dictates, that, the, that God has decreed and he has designed for his church to grow. And uh, yeah, so now you asked, how does the Word do that, right? I think that was what you asked. How does mm -hmm. the Word, as a means of grace, mm -hmm. given by God, sovereignly given, he's given us his Word, how does the word then 
do its work to grow us? Well, I think you start from the very beginning, right? First Peter one twenty three. the word regenerates us. Mm-hmm. It is the word of God that brings life to the dead soul, right? Again, yeah. 1 Peter one twenty three says that. Uh, James one eighteen says that. The word also, obviously, not only regenerates us, it saves us. It's just a, a further uh, uh, step further, even beyond uh, regeneration. It justifies us. It redeems us. It, mm-hmm. it saves us. Uh, uh, James one twenty one, James 5, 20 to 21, 2 Thessalonians 2.13 talks about the reality of being saved by receiving the word of God, right? right? You know, that reality. The word of God uh, produces faith in us, mm-hmm. which is the doorway, obviously, of the whole deal. And we see that in John twenty thirty one and in Romans ten seventeen, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. So yeah. the word produces as the Holy Spirit works through regeneration and the back to that Mark four, the implanted seed, which James talks about. Mm-hmm. And as they come together, it's almost like a, a, a dynamic duo, right? Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit's regenerating. The Holy word is being implanted. They come together. What's the offspring? Faith, mm-hmm. true faith. Boom. It's mm-hmm. the Word of God that, that does that. The Word of God renews us, right? Renews us after the image of, the, of our Creator, Colossians 3.10. Romans 12, it renews our mind, right? So, again, back to that wisdom thing. What has happened in COVID? So many people have not been following the Word. They've been following their feelings. Instead of, so, so instead of having a renewed mind, they have a distracted mind, a fearful mind, mm. a confused mind. Mm-hmm. What does the word God, uh, uh, word of God, do? Psalm nineteen seven. It it brings uh, wisdom to the simple. It brings clarity to the confused. Mm-hmm. It renews the mind. It matures us. First Peter two two. Right. It it's the 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 reality of of we start out on milk in the word, right, as newborn babes, and then we grow into what meat in the word. We're maturing. Mm-hmm. We're, we're growing in the Word. It comforts us. It produces hope in us, mm-hmm. Romans 15, 4. It cleanses us, right? It, the Word of God cleanses us, as it says in Ephesians 5, 26 and John 15, 3. The Word of God strengthens our faith, not only produces faith, it stabilizes and steals, mm-hmm. right? It strengthens our faith. It grows our faith. That's the only way you can grow in faith, Acts 20, 32. Is through the word Ephesians four thirteen to fourteen. The word grounds us like an anchor, right? In the midst of a storm, it's it's sitting upon the solid rock of the word of God, mm-hmm. not the sands of of man, mm-hmm. right? It's the word of God that grounds us. The word of God instructs us. It reproves us. It corrects us. It trains us. Second Timothy three sixteen. Mm-hmm. All right there in that verse. Mm-hmm. The word of God convicts us. Hebrews four eleven to thirteen. The word of God shields us. Second Peter two one to three. The Word of God brings wisdom. The Word of God refreshes. The Word of God brings clarity. The Word of God guards and blesses us. All of that found in Psalm 19. The Word of God guides us, Psalm 119, 104. I don't think you've studied this, have you? No. Yeah. I, I, I can keep going. I know you can. <laughs> I know you can. And, 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 and that's the thing. I, I'm like... Do I stop him or do I just let him keep going? So I think the question is, then what do we do with the word, right? Because, again, it's not, it's not a, I love this, right? Because this comes up all the time. It's not, it's not, uh, the means of grace are not, the the means of grace are not like genies in a lamp. You just, you just can't rub the Bible and instantaneously you are now sanctified. Mm -hmm. Sanctification by brushing up. Right, I just, br- just lean up against my Bible, and all of a sudden, I feel holy. Holiness by osmosis. Mm-hmm. It's not how it works. It's just, it's a synergistic work. Philippians two two uh, what is it, twelve and thirteen. Work out your own salvation, which in the context he's talking about sanctification, mm-hmm. which is the ongoing work of salvation in the past, present, and future reality of our of our redemption. And he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it is God who is, who is at work in you and through you mm-hmm. to bring about his good plan. So you see the, the synergistic reality of the sovereign, providential, undeserved, sanctifying grace of God at work while we are striving for holiness, while we are killing sin, while we are putting on Christ. And you have this juxtaposition. you got this dual reality going where I am killing sin and Christ is confronting me and convicting me and comforting me to kill sin. Mm. I love the picture in um, Pilgrim's Progress of the, of the fire, right, in the, what is it, in the interpreter's house where the, the flame will not go out and, 
and Christians are looking at it, and and it's like this flame. The the uh, the guy keeps throwing water on the flame. It just mm-hmm. keeps throwing water on the fire in the mm-hmm. in the in the fireplace, and it won't go out. Mm-hmm. It will not go out. And and Christians like, what in the world? What's what does that mean? And the interpreter's like, come here, and he sh- takes him behind the furnace, mm-hmm. and he sh- there's somebody else who's pouring oil on the fire constantly, mm-hmm. right? And so the world are wicked hearts and Satan himself constantly trying to douse out the flame of faith in our hearts through all kinds of means. And the Holy Spirit is there bringing the oil of God's word that it just keeps pouring into our hearts. And it's that beautiful reality. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is so good. So really, it comes down to this point. It's like, it's not enough to know that the word does these things. That's sound doctrine. You have to now apply them. You have to, you have to live them out. You can't be just hearers of the word. You got to do it. So if I'm going to grow in the means of grace that God has given, we're talking about the word where you could put in that prayer, you could put in that ministry in the local church. It's not enough to know these things. I've got to apply myself. Mm-hmm. I've got to submit myself. I've got to invest myself into these things. Mm-hmm. I've got to do something. Well, the Bible's not silent about that. When you start studying it out, you realize John 14, we must obey the word. Mm-hmm. The Bible's clear. You must obey it. John 15, 7, you must ob- abide in the word. Not just obey it, you got to abide in it. You got to teach the word. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, 2 Timothy 2, 2, 2. You got to submit to the word. Second, uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. You got you to uh, be an advocate and defend the word, uphold it. 1 Timothy 3, 15. You got to rightly divide the word. 2 Timothy 2, 15. You got to know the word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. You got to listen and heed. Heed the word, 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 4, 2 Peter 1, 19. You got to let the word richly dwell in you, Colossians 3, 16. 1 Timothy 4, 13, Colossians 4, 16. You got to read the word, mm-hmm. right? You can't just think about it. You got to read it in the sense of you got to put it in there so that you then can think about it. You got to uh, walk and live by the word, Galatians 5, 16, uh, verse uh, 25 as well is also 3 John 4. Uh, you got to long for the word. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to write it down because this is the part that you didn't go over. Oh no, I can't. I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> I don't. Want, I don't want to get you ahead, man. I, I can't. I can't. I, I can't give you the. Can't give you the answers, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> you gave me one. <laughs> oh man, but I mean, all of these are commands. All of these are <clears throat> imperatives, <clears throat> whether explicit or implied within the text by which we are confronted to not simply know the power of the word, but to embrace it, to believe it, to follow it, to do it. And this is where the rubber meets the road, honestly. Mm -hmm. Our problem is not a problem of knowledge in the modern church. We know. We've been given Bibles in every version. We have them on our phones. We've got them on our our computers. We've got them in our cars. We know the word in the sense of the the, these truths about the word, we just don't do it because we don't want to, because we don't believe it, because we don't think we need it. There's a myriad of reasons, but the reality is it's not so much in knowing as it, as it is following. And that's why um, it, it, never, it never stops being paramount truth. The greatest way to glorify, honor, and please the Lord is in obeying his word. Mm-hmm. That's yep. it. We try to generate. I want to do something big for God. Well, maybe you will do something big for God, but that's between God, right, and his eternal plan. At the end of the day, you can do something great for God by just simply obeying his word. That's what he says. By this, my father is glorified. What is that? By obeying his word and thus bearing much fruit. First that's, John. First John 2. You, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it, Yes. Uh, the, how will we know that you are children you know, obeying his commands? Absolutely. And, you know, if you love me, mm-hmm. Jesus said, yep. you will what? You will do great things for me? Nope. Not in what we classify and define as great things, whatever that might be. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Those are the quote, air quotes, great things we should be doing. Mm-hmm. Everything comes out of that. And so it's not enough, as James says, to hear the word and to know the word. We've got to allow the word to know us. Mm-hmm. We've got to allow the word to get in us and change us. And again, God is not mystical. He's not ambiguous. He is crystal clear. He's told us what to do with the word. Mm-hmm. And that is what the means of grace. I've got to follow it. I've got to embrace it. 
I've got to do it, not as a work, but as a blessed grace of God given to me so that it works on me mm-hmm. to fulfill his will. Yeah, definitely. Amen. Uh, we, we, I, I still have more questions, and we are That'd right be, up on an hour. We get to come back. But I want to just make this uh, end it here. Was this a, was this a good first, uh, what is it, 2022? I forget. Yeah. Yeah, so this is our first podcast in Are you forgetting the year? Yeah, I always I mean, we're confused. we're kind of early into the year for you to forget it. Yeah. I mean, maybe to write still be writing 2021 on like yeah. your checks and stuff like that. But yeah. I always forget. Yeah. It's a little too early. Sorry. Yeah. I think you have other things on your mind. I do. I yeah. do. Yeah, so I, pr- I appreciate the time you've taken. Um I'm going to co- we're going to come back next time and I have uh, a lot more questions to to ask you when it comes to uh, prayer. I think between now and next time, I'll probably give you more questions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how it usually happens. It's like, <laughs> I got all these questions and then you, I get more questions. It's like, well, maybe those questions aren't as relevant now because, you know, as, as the sermons go on, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, you, you know, the, the answer, they, they get answered, you know, slowly, but surely. And, but I think that the biggest thing that I love is that I have questions because, I used to think that I knew everything. So good preaching will always provoke good questions. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it will answer a lot of questions, but it will always provoke more questions. And obviously, we learned that from watching the greatest preacher of all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. And uh, so they yeah. always had questions after Absolutely. Said, so. Absolutely. And, and so uh, I don't know how it's all going to work, but if, if what I've got lined out ends up happening, We'll have a good 12 sermons on prayer before it's all said and done. So that's a lot of questions. Yeah, I, I think that 12 is is a good number. Yeah. But I think that you'll probably have more. <laughs> that's, 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 just, that's just what I think. We'll see. Yeah, because here's the thing. What we happens gotta is. got to get back to Mark, man. I'm telling you, I got I to. Yeah, we got plans. We got to get We got to get to Mark 13. Yeah. We got, but yet Mark 12, there's Mark 11, there's still some good stuff. Good stuff coming. We got to finish that out, and then Mark twelve. There's, oh, it's glorious. So Mark Mark thirteen is what I'm looking forward to. Um, well, you wait because you know it's the the eschatology and everything like that. It, but there's here's some, the thing: there's some humdingers in Mark twelve. You better get ready. Well, here's the thing: the the thing that I love about the the topic of prayer yeah. is that it is something that. You're, you were absolutely right when you said this, you know, a, a few weeks ago, is that a lot of people approach prayer as a genie in a bottle. Oh, it's like absolutely. we want God to do something for us and we're praying. And instead of praying, you know, according to God's will and according to God's word, we mm-hmm. pray into, uh, according to our will. That's it. So I think that that was a big thing that like kind of, it's, it kind of shook me. It was like one of those, you know, like, like, here you go, like, bam, in, in your face. And I think that during the sermon, it would have been good for you to say something like this. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> I think you, if you said that during the sermon, people would have been like, yeah, what's wrong with listen, us? Listen, but I know whose voice that is, yeah. and I'm not worthy to say that. <laughs> Only he can say that. Only he has the... Uh, gravitas yeah. to say that. I, yeah. I just like to listen. Play it again. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> the Honorable R.C. Sproul. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and you know, the funny thing about it is, you know, when when uh, when when people, you know, it's like, yeah, that's right, Pastor, that's right. And, and then you just pause and say, I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of those things. So I was like, okay, yeah, this he he's preaching and he's going for it, but he hasn't paused to do any of that. So yeah, you know, no, I'm not all Paul original. Washer. I'm not Paul Washer or RC Sproul. I'm yeah. just who I am. Yeah. So the Lord. Well, I, I appreciate who you are, and uh, I I appreciate the 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 preaching because I definitely need it. That means of grace is 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 very is very uh, helpful. You know, especially the the local church and you know the means of prayer, but also obviously the Word of God and. Jesus, or excuse me, God said in his word, it never returns void. Never, never. Amen. Yeah, amen. So um, I don't remember what I did with this. I don't know if I put the gospel on here or uh, I'll have you do it. Either way, I'll put it at the end. So 
Thank you all for uh, listening to the Truth Talks podcast today. Uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us at the Truth Talks podcast at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening. Take care. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The biblical gospel starts with God. Out of nothing, God made everything, including you and me, to bring himself much pleasure. His purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey, and enjoy him perfectly. Instead of this, man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion. Since God is good and just, he must punish sin that deserves eternal, conscious punishment under God's wrath in hell. But God, being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin, and so be a just judge, and yet forgive sinners, and so display mercy, by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal son of God, to take on human flesh, fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying, and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross, and he satisfied the eternal anger of God, standing in a place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now Jesus commands everyone everywhere to repent, turn from their sin, and believe, trust in him. This is the glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead an adopted son and daughters covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life with him forever. It's true for every person in every culture, in every place, in every language through all time. So our response to this good news is repentance and faith. Dear hearer, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Turn from your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and this day be reconciled to God. Thanks for tuning in to this. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the truth talks podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the truth talks podcast and visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. Ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.